0: Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting happiness with Lisa cypress Cayman is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa cypress Cayman is a wide Widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa Cypers Kamen.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. Today we are talking about probably the single greatest foundation to human happiness, and that is our connections. We're talking about conscious coupling, the art and the dance of communication, connection, and intimacy. My first guest is Dr. Jen Mann. She's a psychotherapist, author, television, and radio personality. She is the host and therapist for VH1 Couples Therapy, now in its sixth season, and VH1 Family Therapy. Dr. Jen is a regular guest as a psychological expert on the today's show the doctors access hollywood the insider and home and family and has appeared on hundreds of other shows including the early show the talk jimmy kimmel live the oprah winfrey show she's also a prolific author and we're here to speak with her today about her newest book the relationship fix welcome dr jenman thank you so much (laughs) it's such a pleasure to be here well, it is a pleasure to have you uh, with us, and I cannot wait to just jump right in here because uh, connection, relationship, and intimacy is really the life force and life blood of what contributes to our happiness. And yet, at the same time, herein lies the rub, right? It can also be the source yes. of the greatest contention. No question. So h- how, do we, how do we navigate What are some some thoughts you have about navigating through and with successful relationships and marriages?
2: Well, I think one of the most important things to keep in mind is connection, that you cannot underestimate the power of connection. You know, there's a, a wonderful researcher and psychologist named M. Gary Newman, and he did one of the biggest Uh, research projects about men who cheat and women who cheat, two separate studies. And what he found was quite shocking, not just to me but also to M. Gary Newman. And what he found was that only 8% of the people who cheated cheated purely for sex. The other 90-plus percent of people who cheated either cheated because there was a lack of emotional connection in the relationship or a lack of emotional and sexual connection in the relationship. And it really speaks to how important it is that we nurture that connection, that we spend the time having meaningful conversations, that we spend the time actually making eye contact, put down our phones, stop walking around as we're talking, look each other in the eye, and that we have boundaries with other people in our lives, that we deflect from incoming missiles in order to protect that connection.
1: Oh, I love what you just said about uh, protect ourselves from incoming missiles um, that that really distract and detract from that moment of connecting with our loved ones. You've been in practice for close to 30 years and you've seen a lot of couples and families in your day. What are some of the common myths about what makes a relationship good or bad?
2: Well, I think probably one of the biggest ones is that if you fight, your relationship is doomed. And there was a British study that came out of 3,000 couples, and they found that the average couple has 312 fights a year. So if fighting and conflict is a sign of trouble, we're all doomed, and I don't think that's (laughs) the case. I actually feel the opposite. I think that conflict is growth trying to happen in your relationship, and I think that it is a positive. The key is learning how to handle that conflict. And what we know from all the studies is that the ratio of negative to positive interactions really matters. There's a man named John Gottman who studies uh, couples, and he has the highest, most accurate prediction of divorce. And what he found was that it's not how often the couple fights, but what the ratio of negative to positive interactions are. The magic number is one to five. For every negative, you want to have five positive. The other thing is how you fight, the style of how you fight. This is why I have a whole entire chapter in my book about fighting fairly and a whole entire chapter about how to negotiate well in your relationship. It's important that you are not critical, you're not contemptuous, you are not defensive, and that you're not stonewalling
1: aha uh-huh. you know and i was thinking about the gottmans actually and i and the, the thing that st- sticks out in my mind about their work um in the reading that i've done is about that contempt that when we hold our partner in contempt that that is like the kiss of death honestly yeah it it really is and you know
2: when couples are having discussions especially heated discussions and and negotiations to me one of the key tips i have is stop trying to convince your partner that they're wrong Instead, speak to understand. That is so valuable. When we stop trying to get them to, to do what we want and, and change the way they see things, and we start opening ourselves to seeing their perspective, even if we don't agree, what we've done is we've opened the door to closeness, to connection, to better understanding, and to depth in our relationship. Yeah.
1: You make a really good point about seeking to understand, and often when we fight, we are really seeking to be right versus to understand. Yeah,
2: no question. And, and we have to we have to let go of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Most of us want both, but it's not always possible. Exactly.
2: And people will say, but I'll just be happy if he says I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes that's not the life lesson that we were meant to learn. We're not going to agree with our partner on everything. And and it, it can be very threatening and scary when our partner sees things differently you know we we typically start out our relationship when we're in the honeymoon stage all we see is how we're like you like pizza I like pizza too I can't believe it we have so much in common we're so perfect for each other and then when you get past that honeymoon period and you get to often it's usually that 18 month point but sometimes it happens sooner where all of a sudden you realize you're two separate people with different opinions about different things and all of a sudden what do you mean you voted for that person what do you mean you like sushi? What do you mean you want to raise our children of that religion? I had no idea. And that's when the real relationship begins. It's when we start to work through our differences, when we learn how to negotiate with one another and get through those difficult moments where we don't see eye to eye that, that we're really building our relationship.
1: And when we seek to understand, there's some other components, some other character strengths that get activated, such as empathy, compassion, kindness, Mm -hmm. um, courage, even. Yep. I agree uh, with you completely. Which which bring the relationship to a different paradigm, because I want to place myself in your shoes and you in mine so we can understand where one another is coming from and figure out the midground where we can meet. Which is where the relationship thrives. Yes,
2: absolutely. You you got it. You nailed it.
1: Yeah. Once in a while, I say a couple of good things.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling it's way more than that.
1: I'd like to think, but you know, this is about about really reconnecting with our partners. And, And there are some relationships where some people are feeling as though they are enduring. And not thriving within them, and i 'm uh, my guess is that your book addresses this in in detail, and certainly in practice yeah. you encounter this a lot
2: yeah, you know one of the things i I really have attempted to do in this book is to provide answers, to provide solutions, and to provide tools. It always drives me crazy when I read a book and they tell me, this is what you're doing wrong, but then they don't tell me what to do. So I really made sure that any time I presented an issue in in this book that I believe someone is struggling with, to have 10 different things that you can do, and you may not connect with all of them, but you bet there's going to be at least a few that you connect with so you can take positive action to change your relationship. You know, with couples who have lost their connection, and they are struggling to reconnect with one another, there there are a lot of things that you can do. and, and, And I always love looking at the research, you know. Connect throughout the day. There was a great study called Using Technology to Connect in Romantic Relationships. And researchers found that texting to express affection was associated with higher reported partner attachment for both men and for women. It's like a really simple thing that you can do just to reach out and say, hey, honey, I'm thinking of you, or I love you, or you look so cute today before you left the house. Spend a minimum of 30 minutes a day talking face-to-face. Gary Newman, who did that study I mentioned earlier, found that happy, faithful wives spend on average over 30 minutes a day talking with their husbands. It makes a big difference. The other thing is make lots of eye contact. It activates those parts of the brain that allow us to more acutely and accurately process the other person's feelings and intentions. And it shows where the intention is going, which lays the foundation for intimacy. Look for opportunities to show support. A, a study in the journal Personality and Social Psychology found that the way a person responds to their partner's success is even more important than how they respond in a crisis. And the study found that dating couples felt that their, their partner's typical reaction to positive news, that, it, that their loved one's achievements and how they responded to it most strongly predicted the strength of the relationship. You know, the other thing, and I have a feeling you're going to really like this one, is show gratitude. A study by Sarah Algo and Amy Gordon found that grateful couples are more satisfied in their relationship. They felt closer to each other, and they were more likely to be in their relationship nine months later. They also found that gratitude in a relationship creates a positive cycle of generosity, which makes a whole lot of sense when your partner really acknowledges – how grateful they are for you for the things you've done. You're more connected. It makes you feel good, and then you tend to be more grateful with them as well.
1: Indeed, and then it's also a positive contagion that spreads yes. out to the rest of the family, you know, and and, and those around us. So it does more than just um, seal the bond between the couple, but it has a positive effect that it ha- that is a is a domino in nature, if you will.
2: Absolutely, it has a trickle down effect to all yes. the members of the family because we function it in a system.
1: Indeed. Indeed. We're going to need to jump to a break um, in, in okay. a second. We probably have a we probably have like a one quick little thought that we can use to take us there. And, I, and I'm going to like go a little bit naughty with the communications and and oh. go out on a limb here and say with the texting that that is another really good way to engage with your partner that, you know, to use the technology to be a little tantalizing to, to invite to invite a good time later in the day.
2: I, I believe in using everything we've got to be tantalizing and connected and engaging.
1: Yeah, I, I, and, it, and it does ignite things. It sets the tone for what's what's going to get to happen later, and I think that's pretty cool and fun. I agree. Um, we are going to dance off to a break, Dr. Jen Mann and I, but to give uh, more contact information, the book is The Relationship fix dr jen's six step guide to improving communication connection and intimacy to, to learn more please visit drjen.com. on twitter that handle is at dr jen Mann, and on facebook the page is dr jen Mann. i'm going to throw out that instagram too which is also at at dr man here come those tunes we'll be right back and we're going to carry on with tips to spice up your relationship here come the tunes
3: we know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on TogiNet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break.
4: Happiness is an inside job.
2: Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Cayman has made her first ebook, "Got Happiness Now: Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life," available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com.
3: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on TogiNet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on TogiNet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen.
1: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about conscious coupling, the art and dance of communication, connection, and intimacy with my guest today, Dr. Jen Mann. She is the author of The Relationship Fix, Dr. Jen's six-step guide to improving communication, connection, and intimacy. So, Dr. Jen, before the break, we were talking about ways to improve communication using um, digital technology to its utmost, but let's talk about some of the, the Complexities or difficulties that we have in communication, specifically around forgiveness, apology, judgment, and and how do we say, "Honey, I'm sorry," in a more effective way?
2: You know, I always look at what I call the four R's. Whether you are the person making the amends or you're listening to someone else's amends, and and I recommend listening for these four things. The four R's are, the first is remorse, that you hear that this person is expressing they are truly sorry. It's not just words. They're not just parroting what they think that they're supposed to say, but they truly are apologetic and and wanting to make amends. The The second R is to take responsibility, that this person is owning the mistake that they made. They're not making excuses. They get what they did wrong, and they own it. The third is recognition. That they are willing to listen to your pain. Too often, look, we've all done it, where you hurt your partner and then your partner's telling you why they're hurt, and then you're telling you you get defensive and you tell them why they shouldn't be hurt, or you know what your intention was and you didn't mean to, that doesn't help a person heal. But feeling like you like you have hurt them, you really listened, you have been respectful, you acknowledge their pain and their frustration. That helps healing. Then the fourth is remedy. And all too often, this goes overlooked to have a plan of action. I can't tell you how many times I have gotten a call on my radio show where someone calls and says, you know, for example, my husband cheated on me, I forgave him, and now he's back again, I think he may be cheating. And inevitably, I say to that person, okay, well, what did he do that led you to believe things would be different? Nothing. He said he was sorry, he felt really bad, he didn't want to lose me, and he cried. Well, that's a nice start, but (laughs) without a plan of action nothing's going to change what is the plan i look if he if it came from drinking is he going to aa if he if this is an ongoing issue is he going to therapy to look at why he's sabotaging the relationship if it involves social media has he become transparent with the social media has he either shut down accounts or given you all of his codes what is being done that will lead you to believe that this is different now
1: love this i think this is like this, this is the meat right here, because I'm, sta- I'm sorry is just the sa- starter step. Yep,
2: it's just words. And yeah. if they're not followed by action, it doesn't mean that much.
1: Yeah, love this, love this. Um, what about unresolved old issues, the stuff that we sweep under the rug? Oh, yeah.
2: You know, look, our parents are our first mirrors that tell us whether we are lovable or not. And as kids, we're egocentric, so we think whatever their flaws are about us, dad's a workaholic, mom's an alcoholic, whatever it is, we think it's about us. I must not be lovable, otherwise dad would be home, otherwise mom would stop drinking. And what I have learned, you know, when we do couples therapy each season, the most powerful group therapy that we ever do is what we call the childhood trauma session. And this session often, on average, I would say it lasts about five hours, we've had a a couple that were six plus hours mm. and really what what it is, is is looking at you know our parents are a roadmap for our relationships and if you sit down and you make a list of all the positive and negative qualities of your parents no matter how great they were no parent is perfect then you make a list of all the positive and negative qualities of your partner you're going to find that there's a massive overlap we <laughs> tend to pick partners who have the same traits as our parents good and bad because of that they they injure our old wounds. Our unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between past, present, and future and is always seeking to heal old wounds in current times. So when we have a very strong reaction to something, we have to look at what from my history is being triggered. Even if what your partner did is genuinely upsetting, when your reaction is out of proportion to the event, that points to a childhood wound.
1: Yeah and we all have them and it's very interesting you know in 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 couples therapy and i have been there myself you know mm-hmm. i always have this vision of me sitting there my husband at the time sitting there and then i call them like the cast of characters right you know yeah. like the the parents yeah. the grandparents the siblings the
2: totally the, the invisible know, ghosts.
1: yeah yes. the invisible ghost and they're all sitting yeah. there and they're all sort of like tapping on the shoulder saying excuse me remember that <laughs> remember that exactly exactly <laughs> So we're never we're never in the relationship with just that person, although yeah. we like to think we are.
2: Yeah, there was a great episode of Sex in the City where Carrie and and Big, she finds out that he has an ex-wife, and it really is very triggering for her, and she's in bed with him, and you see, like, this is in her magic, you see the ex-wife come and sit down next to the bed and start talking to her, and it's so true. Like, we have ghosts from our own past, from our partner's past that come and haunt us, and unless we talk through it, unless we work on it in therapy, I'm a big advocate of therapy. I always say that everybody should have at least one one year of weekly individual therapy and couples should have 6 months of weekly therapy in order to have that foundation and to be able to work through these issues and keep your side of the street clean.
1: I love that. I mean I yes, I agree everybody should have therapy. You know be like where else can you go and core dump? You know, I like do a download yeah. once a week or whatever your whatever yeah. your schedule is and there's like no repercussions. You know, you get yeah. to leave it in the room. And like your secret is safe with the other person,
2: and also that person, that therapist holds up the mirror to you and says, "Okay, I appreciate those feelings, and here's your part in it. Here's what you need to work on," and and that's so important because that's how we become stronger and better, and we we have growth. Yeah, and 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 we
1: must. I, I, I believe continually strive to grow because it's when we get in that stagnant place all these things that we want to avoid like depression and anxiety c- you know can creep in in the in the still waters absolutely so if, if somebody says to you you know like you know I love my husband or I love my wife we have built a great family we've built a great life I just I just it's like I'm not happy and I don't know why what do you what do you say? How do you counsel the the client or the couple that come to you and really are there's nothing really wrong, but there's nothing really fabulous either.
2: Well, first of all, I would say, what are you doing to create happiness? What are you doing to change a dynamic in your relationship? You know, when I first started going around talking about this this book, a, a woman got up and asked a great question, and you know, she said, "Okay, I'm reading The Relationship Fix, but." do I have to make my husband read this because I don't know that he's going to read it, he's a guy, he doesn't read self-help books, can I change our relationship on my own? And my answer was yes and no, more yes than no, that it only takes one person to create a chain reaction that alters the system. And that when we're role modeling good behavior, when we're communicating better, when we're making our partner feel adored and appreciate, uh, appreciated, that always has an impact. The best way to get your partner to change is to lead and inspire. Don't wait for the other person to change. Don't wait for the relationship to change. Be the one to change the dynamics. We always do our best in relationships when we lead and inspire instead of nag and criticize. You know, yeah. On the no side, you know, the first session of couples therapy with Dr. Jen on VH1, I always tell all the couples, not every relationship is meant to be saved. Sometimes it's my job as a therapist to help people leave a relationship respectfully. If the person Mm. that you're with is completely unwilling to change or meet your minimum requests, your relationship is unlikely to work, you know. But at the same time, I believe that no relationship is a waste of time except for the ones that we don't learn from. I don't think that we should suffer in vain. I think that we should use all of our pain to grow.
1: I, I I couldn't agree more with that. But, but let me go back to what you said about um, th- that not every relationship should be saved. And that mm-hmm. leads me to the question, what is a reasonable set of needs to have in a relationship? Because Oftentimes we're raised to think that that other person should be our everything, be all and end all. And And I think that's, that's, yeah, that we get led down the rosy path. And I think that's really important to define for people. What is a reasonable expectation or desire to have from our partnerships?
2: And I think it's a, it's a great question. I have a list of questions in the Relationship Fix about what is your bottom line and about working on yourself and about looking at your issues and what's you and what's the other person that will help people figure out individually what is my line and what is about me and what is about this relationship. One thing I can tell you is that when we keep our side of the street clean, when we do our work on ourselves, we tend to be happier in the relationship. We tend to have better, more nurturing connected, wonderful, healthy relationships, that if we're not healthy, we can't expect to have a healthy relationship, and we can't expect, like you said, for that partner to be our everything, you know, that it is a balance, and for each couple, it's slightly different. You know, there are certain things that are universal deal-breakers, violence in the relationship, addiction where the person isn't willing to get help. Those kind of things are just deal-breakers that you can't see in a relationship where you're being abused, but when we're talking about that other stuff that you're making reference to, it really is about finding that balance for you Uh,
1: a lovely answer And, and and i think that that also you know begs the question of um you know, how do we fill our own cu- cup up? Because that really speaks to the bigger the bigger issue, that if we're, if we're seeking that, that validation that we're okay, that we are happy because of the relationship and not doing the inside job, you know, not doing the emotional housekeeping, we're going to run into trouble. And this yeah. really does um, cheerlead and champion for therapy and doing the work, even if one doesn't have access to regular therapy. I mean, through your book, for example, you know, the Relationship yeah. Fix is a great place to A
2: hundred percent. Look, this book is like one year of intensive therapy with me. People see me on TV all the time. And they say, I want to come and see you, but I'm too far away or I can't get there or whatever it is. This is the equivalent to about a year of therapy. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was such a pleasure. I hope we can do it again.
1: Thanks, Jen. Thank you. So there you have it. Some amazing tips you'll have to just get the book and read it yourself it's a year of therapy says dr jen man in the book the relationship fix dr jen's six step guide to improving communication connection and intimacy to learn more please visit her at drjen.com on twitter at drjenman and on facebook at drjenman um and one last place to go and that's instagram at drjenman here come the tunes we'll be right back
3: we know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on TogiNet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break.
2: Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Cayman has made her first ebook, "Got Happiness Now: Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life," available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com.
4: like what you hear on harvesting happiness talk radio subscribe to us on itunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device that's harvesting happiness talk radio on itunes
3: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on TogiNet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's harvesting happiness on TogiNet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen.
1: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about cultivating, maintaining, Lasting and loving romantic relationships for the long haul. And my next guest comes from a very interesting background, but he is helping people do just that. As a former family law attorney, Eric Newton describes himself as someone who's been through a thousand divorces and still believes in love. Ushering couples through divorce wasn't easy for Eric, a romantic from birth. But it turns out to be the ideal medium through which to understand the entire life cycle of a relationship. As a result, Eric has a unique, real-world comprehension of what makes marriage thrive and another fall apart. During his time as an attorney, Eric racked up up a few accolades. He found a success. Founded. Oh, my God, I'm tongue-tied. He founded a successful law journal, built the largest and fastest-growing family law firm in the Bay Area, and was named a super lawyer three years running. He also garnered a 10-star AVO rating and teamed up with a psychologist friend to lead premarital courses for couples, hoping to give them the skills they'll need to stay out of his office. Ultimately, Eric's calling led him to help couples to build healthy relationships superseding his legal career. And he decided to dedicate himself full-time to creating a place for couples to go for information, inspiration, and a big dose of truth. And that's where his fabulous podcast, Together, was born. So we're here today to celebrate Eric Newton and his podcast, Together. Hi, Eric. Thanks for joining us.
4: Hey, Lisa. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you.
1: Me too. I'm so glad to have you with us because um, I, too, am an eternal romantic. I really believe in love. I am a divorcee, um, but somebody who is in a deeply committed and loving relationship. Thankfully, post-divorce, I made it through standing. Well,
4: it's after after the divorce that you can have a really good relationship, I've always thought.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Well, you know, remember the movie years ago, it was called The Starter Marriage?
4: Well, um, no, I feel like I given my line of work, I should know about it, but no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what it's
1: like, needs like a little starter marriage, right? A little, a little test drive on this thing. And then when you figure it out, you can go, you can go on to have the real, the real deal.
4: I, I think that is something that's happening in our culture. I mean, maybe it's not what we should quote unquote be doing as a, as a community, but yeah, that's what's going on. You know, it's kind of like, you've got to dispel the initial illusions the, you know, the, the princess fantasy illusions that we all have about marriage before you can have a real relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and marriage having been there and done that in the more traditional sense was so not about the, the white dress and the wedding day, you know, getting down to the business of it right. all.
4: Yes. that <laughs> I, 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 that eternally amuses me that that is the insight. When you talk to couples who've been together 50 and 60 years and have made it work they all. One of the fundamental pieces of wisdom they always want to share is, you know, wake up to the fact that your marriage is actually more about management than it is about romance. The romance oh. is part of it, but boy, you, you've yeah. got to handle the details.
1: Oh, yes. I mean, romance is is a lovely part of it and, it and it can endure. And that's what, you know, my prior guest this morning, Dr. Jen Mann said, um, you know, she really talked about keeping that romance alive. But I think there's something that is more critical to the success of our personal relationships, our intimate relationships, and that is friendship.
4: Oh, you know what? That's true. Well, I, I guess it's all sort of a spectrum, right? You know friendship to love affair to anger you know the whole spectrum of the human experience in relationship and this the, something about the romantic relationship is that it touches on all of those elements because you're below the armor you know and you're below the pr that we all put out about how perfect our life is to our <laughs>
2: PR. friends
1: I like no that. it is it's just, it's just pr <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a posting. It's yeah. it's a, it's a yeah. social media post. It, it is and I you know
4: social media is such a perfect example of that. You know, everybody posts the image of themselves, you know, on Necker Island with Sir Richard Branson or whatever. You know, they try to have the most perfect ca- encapsulation of this ideal life and and pretend that that's who and what they are all the time, but it's not. It's not. And that's not who we are in relationships either.
1: And, I, Uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry,
4: Eric. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that the whole point is being honest with ourselves about what's really going on as human beings. And sometimes we, you know, sometimes we get really angry and sometimes we're really blue. You know, it's today it's raining in San Francisco and I woke up blue today and it's just, it's okay. It's just completely okay. Yeah. It's just temporary, right? It's temporary. It's part of the whole spectrum. Let's go ahead and have it, you know? And the, and the same applies to relationships. You know, sometimes you're bickering. Sometimes you, you hear yourself saying the word hate. Oh, my God, I hate her. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> you're feeling it, it's all right. Feel it. And then once it passes, understand what was going on and share it. And that's where the intimacy is. Yes. You know, that's true romance.
1: Yeah, that is true romance. I had a conversation um, earlier this week with uh, a woman that comes to a, a Group I volunteer for. I'm part of a a group at our senior center in Malibu, and I help caregivers who you know are really going through a struggle caring for a loved one, just to give them a little support. We do this as part of a community service project, and I had a woman that had come in who um, recently lost a daughter, and she. Uh, predeceased her. And she was really gr- struggling with grief. But shortly after the daughter died, the husband became very seriously ill and was hospitalized for four months. And she was describing how he was now at home and they're getting back into their routine. And I said, are you guys having fun? That was the question I asked her. And she said, after 68 years of marriage, he's my best friend and we're having fun. Uh, I,
4: wow. That's just touching, isn't it? And bo- po- Blessings on her for having to yeah. go through two losses in a row. Wow,
1: yeah,
4: and, and of a child too. That's that's horrible.
1: Yes, but, the ch- and, But the husband's uh, a physician, and he's still working at ninety-five years old. He drives himself oh to work God. with an oxygen tank, you know, with the what? with the hose hanging from his nose, that's and he amazing. goes to the office. It's pretty cool.
4: That's amazing. You know what? I, I bet his I bet his experience of happiness is roughly the same as it has been his entire life.
1: Yeah.
4: You know, because like he's got an oxygen mask and circumstances are different. You know, circumstances are more challenging than they were when he was younger. But mm-hmm. he, I bet you he still feels at about the same level of happiness. Have you ever seen the research on that? That people report the same level of happiness throughout their lives,
1: regardless? I- I have seen that, and then I've seen the um, additional research that talks about the U-curve of happiness, that we end up actually being happier towards the end of our lives for various reasons than we are in the ripe, juicy middle for other various reasons, you know, that Is at it, the end.
4: <laughs> it, does it have something to do with allowing and accepting?
1: Absolutely. That, you know, the older we get, the less we care about what others think. So that, you know, there's that um, lack of social c- comparison or needing to, you know, keep up with the Joneses. So there's that certainly goes out the window. And I think then the, the value of the value of our relationships, how we connect becomes yeah. uh, a currency.
4: Yeah. I, and I think those two are connected. You know, the less you are concerned about what you're supposed to be doing or what other people think is right. The more you can, again, you know, what I was riffing on what I was saying a moment ago. The more you can allow who you really are, and um, and share that with your partner, and create actual intimacy. Yeah, and that's where the happiness in relationships comes from, in my experience.
1: I agree. I agree. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast, because Together Podcast was born out of your experience as a divorce lawyer, and I'm sure out out of your experience as being a man and one half of relationship. And how does it all come together for you?
4: Well, the podcast is a series of interviews with real couples uh, who who are just... My intention is to get below the fluff, you know, to get down to what's actually happening in the relationship. So I try to create a safe environment where people can really share what's going on for them. And then I get curious, you know, people say something that's inconsistent and I go after it. And I, with the intention of sharing this idea that we are all having challenges and triumphs and there's nothing wrong with both of them. You know, it's okay to have both and that all couples are going through these challenges. Because, yeah. you know, there's, there's this idea out there, to, I'll, just quickly there's this idea out there that, that we're all uniquely broken, that somehow everybody else has figured out relationships and we're the only ones who are screwing it up. <laughs> but we're all screwing it up. You know?
1: Yeah, we're just trying to do our thing here, all of us.
4: <laughs> yes. So that's the intention with the show, is to just show, hey, look, it, everybody's having challenges and they're still okay. And you can be too. And so we go through some pretty funny adventures on the show.
1: Well, I think that is the gift that these good hearty relationships bring us. And I mean it as H-R-D-Y and H-E-R-T-Y, you know, in in, in both senses. You know, I look at my own relationship um, that came after divorce, and it's actually with somebody that I knew when I was in undergraduate school that we dated for a nano minute and then came back to each other 24 years later. And I realize, you know, one of the million things that I love about this person is that he knew me before I had cellulite, you know, and I right. tell him that like, gosh, you have a good memory of me when I was, you know, more like a stallion and less like an old mare.
3: Yeah.
4: Well, I doubt you're an old mayor, but the the thing about history is that it creates trust in a way yeah. that nothing else can. And, uh, you know, he's a known quantity and that makes it so easy for you to open up and, yep. and be yourself with him, doesn't it?
1: It does. We are going to need to go to a break in a minute, but, but before we do, I want to give all the deets on your show, Together Podcasts. So what, when does it initially air each week or each month whenever you do the broadcast and where can we find it?
4: We drop new episodes every Monday and you can find it on our website, which is together.guide, G-U-I-D-E, together.guide, or on iTunes
1: cool and to connect up with you through social media you can be found at together show on facebook on twitter together underscore show as well as at newton law and on instagram which we don't really plug over here but what the hell is at together underscore show here come the tunes we'll be right back and that is a promise
3: we know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on TogiNet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break.
4: Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's
3: Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com and now back to your host, Lisa Cypress kamen Welcome
1: back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I download? No. One, two, three, start over. One, two, three. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? It's kind. It's free. It's legal. It's available 24-7, and we are talking about togetherness. In fact, we are actually talking about the podcast together with its founder and host and creator, Eric Newton. Eric, let's talk about um, fighting. You know, I
4: love fighting. Let's talk about it.
1: Yeah, a good fight is a good thing the experts say.
4: Yeah, well it's an inevitable thing at the very least. You know, you can't avoid it. So there's no there's no sense in pretending you can't you, know, you can avoid it.
1: Yeah, but I mean, but fighting fair is not always easy, right?
4: I you know, fighting fair, I don't know that it's so important. We I had a great Oh,
1: thing. really? I, I really Oh, don't. all <laughs> right.
4: Throw <laughs> the gloves if, off. <laughs> I mean if it's a fight it's a fight, right? I mean, if you have a fair fight, it's kind of not a fight. And that's a different sort of thing. I mean, the the bigger umbrella is conflict. And conflict is really what's inevitable. And how that manifests in a relationship, it's going to be all kinds of things. It's going to be sometimes stonewalling. It's going to be sometimes taking a minute, being really smart about it. And sometimes it's going to be a full-out fight. And it's just... The important thing about an actual fight, if we're really fighting, is to remember that it doesn't mean anything about you or your partner. You can move past it if you want to. It's an expression of fear. And that, that's the key to it, is that there's fear underlying this action. And you've got to understand where the fear is
1: coming from. I would agree with you, but I would also go back to the fighting fair in this sense, like when you're really going at it with your partner, you know, and you're really feeling that you're amped up and you're ready to, you know, throw daggers, you can't fight with the kitchen sink. Like you can't bring up your mother-in-law. You can't bring up what happened a year ago when your partner really irritated you. You got to fight with the facts and, and what the reality is.
4: Well, I mean, I agree. It's best not to do those things. You know, if you create lasting damage, you're making your own relationship harder. And nobody wants that rationally. I'm just saying that sometimes fights happen. And if it if it's a full-blown fight where you're you're triggered by your amygdala and you're not <laughs> rational and conscious and present, you know, things are going to get said. What's great is to have a mechanism to move past them. And yeah, if you can control it in the moment, do. You know, the, the, the first step, the classic textbook step is to get control of your lizard brain, you know, Ah. take breaths, widen your peripheral vision intentionally, because when we go into fight, flight or freeze, we get tunnel vision. So widen your peripheral vision, um, say to your partner, when you're feeling that adrenaline rush, say, you know what? I am so angry. I'm just going to take five minutes. I'll be back in exactly five minutes and go away and breathe deeply think about something you're grateful for. You know, these are all the basic textbook tricks that you can use to get control of that instinctive fight reaction so that you can be rational. But sometimes it'll get away from you. You know, sometimes that word will slip out that you wish you didn't say. Yeah. And and I and I think and I think in a really healthy relationship there's room, there's flexibility to allow that. I'm not saying to encourage it. I'm just saying when it slips out, it doesn't have to be terminal. You know, you can forgive it.
1: Yes, you can forgive it. Like when your partner says, you know, you're behaving like your mother,
5: <laughs> Right.
1: You know, <laughs> which will probably be good enough to start round two of the fight, you know, <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's such a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're so angry that you know exactly the thing to say.
1: <laughs> oh, Gosh, I've experienced that in my relationship. And, but you know what, like when I step away and do the little tricks that you've just suggested, I, I actually can see the humor in the comment, but in the moment it's rough, you know, cause we want, we, when we're fighting, we generally want to be, we want to be heard.
4: Yeah, yes, exactly. And I, you know, aside from abuse, which is a different thing, it, you know, I'm not talking about, uh, Uh, Domestic abuse here verbal or physical I'm talking about normal relationships that have fights in a normal relationship where there's a fight somebody like you said is wanting to be heard or they think that something maybe unconsciously but they believe that something very very critical is under threat and the last option to, to protect that thing that concept is anger. Yeah. And, you know, that's it, that it tr- true, you know, in the jungle, sometimes your life is on the line and you've got to fight or run as fast as possible to survive. We just need some updates in modern society. And one of the updates is, is, is after you get control of the amygdala to inquire what is actually under threat here. Why am I so triggered? You know, she called me my mother. She said, I, I'm acting like my mother or my mother in law. Why, why is that so threatening? And the answers I've, you know, when you really dig, I've found that the answers are always surprising. The true answer is always surprising. And it usually is not as critically dangerous as the unconscious mind thinks that it is. And when you finally realize that and you bring that truth to light and you look at it, it is funny. You know, you have to take some distance from the fight itself. But when you really see the seed, the kernel of that fight, <laughs> I mean, it's oh, yeah. ridiculous, right? And that's when you can go back to your partner and, you know, be really honest. I, <laughs> I had this ridiculous construct in my mind and I'm, I'm sorry I took it out on you, but here's how it went. And then when you are that vulnerable and honest with your partner, it creates trust and then they can share what was going on for them because they were doing something similar. Yeah. They were back. They thought something was critically important. Right. And And it creates this feedback loop of communication, which then engenders trust, which then engenders intimacy. And what do you know? The sex is amazing.
1: So true. So true. You know, you said something about regular relationships. I think that I would like to qualify or add to that, that, we all have perfectly dysfunctional relationships and yes, varying degrees, yes, yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the, <laughs> so if, you know, the premise I've learned after all these years is everybody's crazy. It's yeah. just like, how does your crazy meet my crazy? And like, you know, how can we make this thing work? Because at the end of the day, most of us really are driven by that desire and need for true connection and love. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. and safety. Yeah, and safety, yeah. I- yeah. And just so true. I'm just so glad you referenced that, it, that we're all basically broken. <laughs> and it's what, it's what makes us so beautiful. What makes it, It's what makes life so fun, you know, is the limits and that, that little flavor of danger. It's really, and what's what makes relationships <laughs> worthwhile, you know, they're the a flavor. process of going together. Yeah, the, the flavor of it.
1: danger. I love that. You know, there is a <laughs> Yiddish word that uh, I think really describes it. And it's like everybody's got mishigas. You know, mishigas oh, is craziness.
4: Yes, yes, yes. We've all got a bit of mishigas.
1: We do. We do. Um, what healthy relationship patterns have you seen on the show? I mean, you've, you've been doing this for a while and you're seeing trends emerge in the most successful, committed relationships? What are those? You, some we've already talked about, but I think there may be other kernels you could share.
4: Well, you, you know, you hear about communication all the time. Everybody wants to say, well, you've got to communicate. If you ever quiz a couple who's successful, well, what makes you work? Well, we communicate really well. And what I'm always curious about is, well, what does that actually mean? I mean, anybody can say that, but what does it actually mean? And what I've found with all the couples is where the rubber meets the road on that one is when something is truly fundamental to one partner or the other partner's identity or what they're up to in life or what they feel like they need to be happy or satisfied, they have to be able to express it to their partner without fear of ridicule or shame. And it really anything, you know, it could be, an outlandish sexual desire. It could be a scary career change. It could be adopting children from another country. And that seems implausible in their relationship, whatever it is, they need to be able to say it. And if, if they can't express it without fear of being shamed, then they're not fully expressed. And then creativity gets clipped and then happiness gets clipped and then productivity gets clipped And people aren't living to their potential. But as soon as they can express themselves, even if it doesn't get manifested, you know, maybe that sexual desire just doesn't work for your partner. So they don't want to do it. But you were able to express it as soon as the expression is allowed. That's when all of the intimacy and creativity and joy starts to blossom and it becomes a feedback loop of connection. So That's the key with communication is really, really, you've got to let it out without shaming your partner or being shamed.
1: I agree with you that, the, that those thoughts have to, be, have to have an outlet somewhere because the relationship is ultimately, I think most of us believe it to be the safe haven or it should be the safety harbor where we go. Um, and uh, if that fails, then we really are um, unsafely vulnerable
4: right because you're as you're as, as vulnerable with that person as you are with anyone in the world yep and, it, and if you if you can't take down your armor with your romantic partner then, then uh, you know you're living a dangerous life and you're not going to be fully expressed yeah it's it's so critical and and it's one of these things that people don't notice is missing until it's pointed out and then it seems like a big gaping hole and what i want to say to those people is The fact that it's not present now is not terminal. It's something you can create in your relationship, but you have to be proactive about it. And the way that you do that is you begin by allowing your partner to say what they have to say without shaming them. So you you have to start by giving that gift to your partner and then you can ask for it in turn. Well often happens when when couples are not having when when couples don't have this but want it is when one of them or the other one first brings it up like this is something we should do we should be able to talk to each other and not feel shame or ridicule the other one gets defensive and brings up the time that the first partner didn't let that partner say what they wanted to say and um you know the antidote to that is to acknowledge that it happened and then Uh, And then allow and then really practice and then really, really just practice allowing your partner to say what they have to say.
1: Eric Newton, the show is Together Podcast. Thanks for joining us Uh, once again. um, New episodes air every Monday. You can find uh, Together on iTunes and on the website. To learn more, please hook up with Eric Newton at Together Show on Facebook, on Twitter at Together underscore show. And here are a few thoughts before we part happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guest today, Dr. Jen Mann, and Eric Newton wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words and the kindest of actions until next time remember happiness is an inside job happiness is your inside job harvesting happiness talk radio is produced in collaboration with toginet and kbuu and is available on prx the public radio exchange go out and rock your day
0: Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook. Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Cayman, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness.